Welcome to the Brand Spanking New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. As of this glorious Monday morning, Austin Rivers teases dad up, Baylor football needs to watch more episodes of Fixer Upper, and Carmelo Anthony gets a final ride on the banana boat. But we begin with the three most important things that rocked our world and changed our perspective over the past seven days, or more specifically, the best of last week. First, the college football world is in shock as their perennial power Alabama is on the verge of missing their first ever college football playoff after news broke that their star quarterback Tua Tagovailoa will miss the remainder of the season with a dislocated hip and stress fracture. Alabama was already in shambles after they botched the biggest game of their season last week, losing to the LSU Tigers at home 46-41. There were many things to dissect from that game, such as the fact that this was the most points a Nick Saban team has given up in half since allowing Drew Brees to score 33 on his Michigan State Spartans in 1999, or the fact that the offensive play calling was so atrocious that many people speculated whether Steve Sarkeesian may have fallen off the AA wagon. Plenty called Tua a hero for playing that game only 20 days after having ankle surgery to string together a handful of ligaments. However, that loss may be the last great moment we saw for Tua as his career with the Crimson Tide is undoubtedly over, and his sights are now set on the NFL draft next spring. Tua used to be touted as the unanimous number one pick. However, look at his injury history. He's broke his index finger and needed surgery, has suffered separate knee and quad injuries, has had the same tightrope surgery done on both ankles, and now has suffered the same injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. I get that the southpaw can throw a mean deep ball, but the fact that he's made of porcelain certainly does make people question whether he's worth the long-term investment. Meanwhile, at the top of the SEC, there sits Joe Burrow, a grad transfer at LSU who has everything an NFL franchise would want. Joe Burrow is outstanding. Nay, he is phenomenal. Nay, he is the kind of man who Ron Burgundy wants to be like in his next life. He wears the cologne Sex Panther and makes it work every time. Look at what this kid has done in his short 16 months at LSU. 51 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, he has beaten 8 top 10 football teams, and has nearly a 70% completion rate. The kid is on a different level, plain and simple. He can hear sign language. His blood type is AK-47. He once beat the sun in a staring contest. If I was an NFL GM, I would get his face tattooed on my buttocks right next to a grayscale portrait of Roy Orbison. Joe Burrow is to college football what Brad Pitt is to sexy hunks of the 90s. He is the backbone of greatness and is undoubtedly the best quarterback and the best player in college football and has the Heisman Trophy locked up more secure than Rapunzel and Tangled. It doesn't matter how you look at it. Joe Burrow is the real deal, has completely transformed his legendary status in the LSU history books, and will without question be playing on Sundays next year. The long-used mantra of the Miami Dolphins this season has been the phrase, tank for Tua. You know what sounds a heck of a lot better, and after the gruesome injury Tua suffered against Mississippi State on Saturday makes a lot more sense? Bomb for Burrow. Second, an independent researcher on Reddit did a groundbreaking analysis comparing the variance in James Harden's overall performance in relation to the quality of strip clubs in the various cities across the country. It's a well-agreed-upon fact that James Harden has an unnatural affinity for strip clubs, as was seen in his MVP acceptance award when he stated, I want to thank my teammates, my fans, but most of all, I want to thank Sparkles, Ginger, Candy, and Angel at the Toolbox. It's because of you and all the hours that you spent on that pole that got me this hardware. 
All jokes aside, Hardin loves the catwalk. And as this researcher found, there is a negative correlation between catwalk quality and Hardin's efficiency rating. Essentially, the better the strip clubs, the worse he performs on the court. For example, when the Rockets head north of the border and his only option is the one-star rated joint called the Landing Strip, he lights the Raptors up for career highs. However, when he takes a dip at the elite five-star Southern Exposure in Salt Lake City, he struggles to get buckets to drop from beyond the arc because he was making it rain the night before. This new data should completely change a team's approach to defending Harden and company whenever the Rockets come to town. Rather than worry about lineups that can play small ball and defend the perimeter, they should invest in better strobe lighting at exotic kitties. Instead of showing motivational promos about their teams before the game, they should show movie clips from the film Striptease and Showgirls. Sure, this data may not be a true causation. However, it could help usher in a new wave of transformational thinking. Remember a few years ago when the San Antonio Spurs made headlines by hiring Becky Hammond as the first official woman assistant coach? Think how progressive and strategic they would be if they pushed the envelope just a little further and brought in Juicy Lucy from Muffin Tops. Finally, on Saturday, former NFL quarterback turned Betsy Ross hater Colin Kaepernick held a private workout for NFL teams at a high school in Atlanta. Since this is the year of the backup quarterback, Kaepernick is in desperate need of a sideline that he can kneel down on. Mixed reports came back that Kaepernick looked elite and was accurate on long ball throws that looked as good as he did when he first entered the league. But at the same time, he was so-so, and his timing with receivers was not as consistent. After the workout, Kaepernick played bully ball at the NFL, saying, quote, I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here today and showed it in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. Around here, we're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. Colin Kaepernick has had an up-and-down career. One minute he's on the verge of winning a Super Bowl, the next he's being targeted as a free speech activist using political statements to jockey for a roster spot. Half the country loves him for standing up for human rights, the other half hate him for losing Papa John's endorsements. It really is a bipolar relationship we've had with this man for the past four years. He's the tall, handsome, nice guy you bring home to your family's Thanksgiving party and show off in delight, who then tells your parents on the way out the door that this is a much calmer atmosphere he's enjoying since his life as a stunt double in the adult film industry. You just never know what to expect with the guy. Everyone has their own take on this story, but there is one name I want to throw out to you that should sum everything up. Johnny Football, or who most people remember as the Heisman Trophy winning drug addict who was kicked out of the Canadian Football League. Yes, we all know the legendary Johnny Manziel, the child prodigy of Charlie Sheen and Courtney Love, who may go down as one of the greatest busts of all time. Everyone remembers the off-field antics that this train wreck put us through. But does anybody remember his QB rating the last time he was on the field? I'll tell you, 79.4, a full point higher than Kaepernick's that same season, which is the worst in the league for starters and about average for any backup four years ago. And that's the thing that people seem to be missing around this entire situation. It's not that the league has blacklisted Kaepernick for making a political statement. It's not that franchises have given him the cold shoulder because of his involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement. GMs aren't denying him the right to play because of his liberal thinking. They just don't think Kaepernick is worth investing time and money in when the numbers show that he doesn't throw better than an alcoholic coke addict who can't land a job in the XFL. 
We now shift to what matters this week, which for this episode can be traced to your lunatic grandpa condemning the current generation for how soft they have gotten over the years. Back in my day, we didn't get people to like pictures of our food on the computer. We got polio. Okay, Boomer, whatever you say. While today's topic may have ties to the psychotic anti-vaccination craze that is literally poisoning the minds of people in our country, today we're talking about load management, or what modern superstars are trying to justify as their own version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. On Saturday night, Clipper star Kawhi Leonard sat out his third game of the season citing, quote, knee issues, hashtag shocker not shocking. He has already rested for two nationally televised games, referencing this abrasive contusion as a continuing problem. His diagnosis was supported by league physicians saying that, quote, the team has reasonably determined that Leonard is suffering from an ongoing injury to the patella tendon in his left knee and has been placed by the team at this time on injury protocol for back-to-back games. Clippers head coach Doc Rivers has already shot condor eggs all over his organization's face and citing a $50,000 fine by saying he feels great. He's 100%. Thus arguing the point that just because your name is the slang word for a medical practitioner, this does not excuse you to be a full-blown idiot behind a microphone at a press conference. Everyone is up in arms at the fact that Kawhi is living in a delusional fantasy world. And they're right. To quote soon-to-be former Knicks head coach David Fisdale, we've got to stop with this load management crap. I agree. This is crap. In what other industry ever do people get to decide when they want to show up to work depending on how they are feeling? Cops can't call into work and say they don't want to police the streets because their knees are acting up. Third grade teachers can't break up fights between glue-sniffing booger eaters because the contusion on their quad is acting up. The lunacy is how analysts and critics across the country are justifying him sitting, saying that this formula will generate a title for whatever team Kawhi has strapped to his back. And to that I say... Have you been hanging out with Johnny Football too much this weekend? Are you nuts? I totally get that last season Kawhi sat 20 games and won a title for the Raptors. But let's not forget that he needed a lottery-winning bounce of a baseline three to make it out of the second round, a red-hot offense to turn the Bucks into a junior-high look-alike team in the Eastern Finals, and the most bizarre streak of injuries to ever happen to a team in the history of forever to get them to the title. Quit living under the delusion that 60 games in the regular season gets you a championship. Either Kawhi has made a pact with the devil last season, or he was luckier than a leprechaun sniffing rabbit's feet. What incites me here is that people are buying into this, and as any boomer would say, is making them soft. If Kawhi does this behavior, will this be the new norm? Is Grizzlies rookie Ja Morant going to sit out next week's matchup against the Lakers because of load management for NBA rookies? As of this morning, yeah, he is. Is five-star recruit Isaiah Jackson going to sit out the 2020 college basketball season because of load management? When I ask my daughter to pick up her toys and clean up the mess she made in the front room, is she just going to sit on the couch comfortably and I'll hear my wife in the background say, um, she's on load management, don't push her. Which brings us to this. Did you know that there is a random positive correlation between the number of films Nicolas Cage stars in and the number of people who drown annually from falling into a pool? Call me crazy all you want, but researchers have proven that if Nicolas Cage gets more gigs, more people randomly suffocate underwater. Take 2007, a year that brought us such awful classics as National Treasure 2, Next, and Ghost Rider, three of Cage's most cringeworthy moments. There was also a large number of people who sadly came to the conclusion that they're not the modern version of Aquaman. 
The more he stars, the more people bite the dust underwater. That's fact. I know, this is ludicrous, and you're all saying to yourself, Brock, you're really losing credibility with me right now, seeing as how you're 11 episodes into this podcast, and you've already mentioned Nicolas Cage twice. Valid point. But the reason I mention this outrageous correlation is because that is the lunacy that could evolve in the NBA with this load management garbage. Teams might start to buy into the delusion that if they rest their star players, that this will equate to a championship. And that correlation is straight up kooky duke. You cannot look at the 2019 NBA Finals and say, hey, it's because of load management that the Raptors won the title. No, it's a freak outlier that for all we know could have been caused by Lee Harvey Oswald's grandson being in the stands sniping out the Achilles and MCL of star players on the opposite side. Load management equating to championships is Nicolas Cage blockbusters causing people to drown. It's the anti-vax movement that tarnishes one of the purest sports in existence. Say okay, boomer, all you want, but athletes sitting to rest their aching 27-year-old bodies taints the warrior aspect of professional sports. So much that when Kawhi Leonard is sitting down telling his grandkids about how tough things were when he was their age, they'll roll their eyes and say, Okay, Millennial, we all know life was definitely not tougher for you. You played 50 games a season and got lucky the year the Warriors were diagnosed with typhoid fever. Quit talking about how rugged you were and just accept the fact that Kawhi Cupcake Leonard is the perfect nickname for your career. Thanks for listening to Brand Spanking New. We'll definitely be back next week. Unlike Miles Garrett, for one time in their history, can football in Cleveland ever have some publicity that isn't a brown stain on the sheets?